0: Good morning, everyone. I'm a little sensitive about sound since we didn't have any last night to speak of. (laughs) Sorry about that. That's a really good film on the Holocaust and and, uh, an amazing story of a survivor who uh, ended up marrying her, the guy that saved her, I guess you'd say, if you didn't hear that at the end. Today we're going to look at Zionism. But first we need to get through some of the calamities that uh, happened to Israel in the first century as Christ had prophesied, and principally the events of AD 70. Uh, Tomorrow, and this in a way of housekeeping, I guess you'd say, uh, we're going to look at modern Israel. And if you've noticed in your handout, or probably haven't, there's a few blank slides towards the end of the class. And uh, that was on purpose. Um, What I'd like for you to do, if you haven't given me a card with a comment, is to use your index cards, assuming you haven't used them for Brother Tommy's class, uh, or Brother Jay's class. Uh, And uh, I'd I'd like to have this question answered. And that question is, since 1948 and the time of the establishment of this new nation of Israel, What, in your opinion, has been the the greatest witness of God by Israel? Since 1948 until today, what is the greatest witness of the nation of Israel for God? Going back to the time of Jeroboam, king of Israel the ten tribes, God began a cycle of punishment, if you will, for his people by allowing these or empowering these nations uh, that were the greatest nations on the earth at the time to come in and to conquer Israel and carry them into captivity. Such happened to, to the ten tribes and later also to Judah, as we know, and They were carried off to Babylon. After the destruction of AD seventy, the primary diaspora, as we would diaspora, began as we know it. The Jews were already in the Roman habitable; they were in the empire, and they had become significant citizens in the empire, and were given a certain amount of rights. They were allowed to have synagogues, as we know, and. Um, uh, were were really significant uh, businessmen uh, and traders within the within the Roman uh, world, and they could openly discuss their faith, Judaism, and uh, uh, in the society, uh, and were acceptable. But with the uh, continuous rebellious nature of the Jews in Israel, in in, in the land of Palestine, if you will, they, uh, they began to take a very dim attitude of the Jews, and uh, groups such as the Zealots were principal in uh, causing uh, a lot of uh, heartburn, if you will, for the Romans. And so the Romans finally decided that they need to do some serious corrective measures uh, with the Jews. And we know that Jesus, who was the greatest prophet of all, knew what was going to happen, Um, he told them specifically, and we're going to read these verses in Matthew 24 in the Olivet Prophecy, and he knew in his heart just how bad it was going to be. We're going to read in a few minutes from Josephus uh, his personal account of how bad it did get in Israel and particularly in Jerusalem. Let's go to Matthew 24 and, and read these verses in the Olivet Prophecy this morning to set this stage. Beginning with verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdoms against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to, the, to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, for whoso readeth, let him understand." Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him that is in the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the fields return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except these days be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake these days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert. Go not forth. Behold, he is in secret chambers, believe it not. For as a lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For, who, for wheresoever the carcass is, there the eagles will gather together. Let me get this little message out of the picture. <clears throat> so kind of in summary or in paraphrase of the things that, that Jesus foretold in this uh, Very uh, emphatic prophecy. Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Principally, this is a reference, of course, to the temple, and we're going to look at the final uh, fulfillment of that in uh, AD 135 in a minute. Wars and commotions. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes, famines and pestilences, fearful sights, great signs from heaven... Brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. They will put some of you to death, betray even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. You will be hated for all you will be hated by all for my name's sake. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that desolation is near. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Great distress in the land and wrath upon his, his people. Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. As the prophecy delivered to Israel through Moses predicted, the people of God saw the righteous judgments executed severely in AD 70. Just as Jesus foretold in the Olivet Prophecy, Jerusalem was given over to the Romans. Probably a million died and many were taken into captivity. The last symbol of Jewish pride, Masada, fell to the Romans after a two-year siege. Now I want to read this reference in Leviticus and then I'll read from Josephus about those events of AD 70. Leviticus chapter 26 verses 27 through 32. And if you will not for all and if you will not for all this hearken unto me but walk contrary unto me Then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And ye shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. And I will destroy your high places, and cut down your images, and cast your carcasses upon the carcass of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. And I will make your cities waste, and bring your sanctuaries unto desolation, and I will not smell the Savior of your sweet odors. And I will bring the land unto desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. Let's see how closely that was fulfilled. This is from the Jewish War, the writings of Josephus. After a desert march from Egypt, Titus arrived at Caesarea where he organized his forces. Meanwhile, civil strife in Jerusalem had reached a new climax when another faction was bred within a faction, like some raving beast preying on its own flesh. And I'm going to sort of jump around here, so bear with me. The missiles shot by the catapults, stone throwers, and quick fires flew all over the temple, killing priests and worshipers at the very altar itself. For despite war, the sacrifices went on, and those who journeyed from all over the world to worship there sprinkled the altar with their own blood. The three warring camps regularly rushed out and burned each other's food supplies. Thus the area around the temple became a mass of ruins and great stores of grain, which would have supplied the besieged for years, were destroyed, and the city would fall to self-imposed famine. Terrorized by the bloody contentions of the three factions, many prayed that the Romans might come and deliver them from the internal strife. There was no other hope of escape since the three parties, disagreeing on everything else, united in putting to death any who favored peace with Rome. The most merciful man probably in this whole event was Titus. Titus walked around and and looked what the Jews were doing to themselves in Jerusalem. Killing their own people, destroying their food supplies. Heaps of dead bodies were around. And and he he was quoted as saying, God, this is not my doing. The Jews were doing it to themselves. And God predicted what happened. In the meantime, countless thousands of Jews died of hunger. In every house there was. There was the least morsel of food. Relatives fought over it. Gaping with hunger, the outlaws prowled around like mad dogs, gnawing at anything, belts, shoes, and even the leather from their shields. Others devoured wisp of hay. And then there was the incredible horror of Mary of Bethusba. Distinguished in family and fortune, Mary had fled to Jerusalem from Perea, but her property had been plundered by the tyrants during the siege and her food by the daily raids of their fo- followers. Maddened by hunger, she seized the infant at her breast and said, Poor baby, why should I preserve you for war, famine, and rebellion? Come. <clears throat> Come, be my food. Vengeance against the rebel's And the climax of Jewish tragedy in the world. With that, she killed her infant son, roasted his body, and devoured half of it, hiding the remainder. The Bible student must wonder if the words of the book of Deuteronomy rang in the ears the ears of those who survived the great calamities of AD seventy. What what great blessing they could have had if they had obeyed had obeyed the commandments of God instead of rejecting him for the previous fifteen hundred years. Let's look at these references in Deuteronomy. Chapter twenty eight verses one and two. And it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God verse 15 but it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Verse 25. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies, and thou shalt go out one way against them, and flee seven ways before them, and shall be removed Removed unto all the kingdoms of the earth. And verse thirty six, the Lord shall bring thee and thy king which thou shalt set over thee, unto a nation which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, and there shalt thou thou serve eat shall serve other gods wood and stone, and thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations, whether. The Lord shall lead thee. And skipping down to verse sixty four And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people, from the one end of the earth even unto the other, and there and there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations thou shalt find no ease, neither shalt the sole of thy foot have rest, but the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart, and a failing of eyes and a sorrow of mind and thy life shall hang in in doubt before thee and thou shalt fear day and night and shall have none assurance of thy life and when we look at uh, this woman's uh, situation last night that's about where she was by the time she got to Czechoslovakia it was going to be over one way or the other Leviticus Chapter 26. Verse 23. And if you will not <clears throat> not be reformed by me, by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then I will also walk contrary unto you, and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. You know, the word seven is a complete number. And I think they have pretty much been completely punished for their sins going back to the first century after the Bar Kokhba revolt and this was those, that remnant that survived uh, Jerusalem and Masada in AD 70 the Romans under Emperor Hadrian decided to disconnect the Jew from Jerusalem he had the temple mount razzed and plowed I think he also scattered salt, if I remember right, on the, on the land. Jews were forbidden from living in Jerusalem under the Hadrian Edict, and a Roman city, Alina Capitolina, was built over the ruins of the city. The Romans replaced the Jews with Arabs and Syrians, which was not an uncommon practice for these conquering nations. The Jewish people have migrated to many countries over the centuries, but remain strangers and pilgrims. The places they have been allowed to stay have turned into the greatest places of persecution. They survive by using the talents given them by God. And this is one. Let's look at Deuteronomy 8. This is probably the main talent that they have. Verses 11 through 18, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Then thine heart be be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery, fiery serpents and scorpions and a drought where there was no water who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do good, to do thee good at thy la- latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine, o- of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which ye swear unto thy fathers as it is as it is this day and this attribute, this talent uh, this ability to to succeed in, in business and trade and to gather wealth and to spoil in, 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 a, in a roundabout way spoil the nations wherein they lived which is one of the main reasons for the turmoil that they received. <clears throat> so throughout the uh, the last 2,000 years they've seen much uh, scattering and much turmoil um, and their identity is still there. The scattering from AD 70, um, of course this is just generally a summary. We know the events of the, of the Crusades, around 1,000. Uh, in Germany, in England, in France, Austria, Spain, uh, the Ukrainian Cossacks, Vienna, Prague, Prague, Russia. They've suffered a lot in Russia. And uh, I guess you all found my misspelled word. If you looked in your handout, Holocaust. Although the Jewish people have been scattered throughout the earth, they have always believed the land promised to Abraham would be theirs. A serious movement began in Eastern Europe in the early to mid-19th century. In 1861, the Zion Society was formed. and in, in Poland, the Lovers of Zion movement began. In 1856, the Sultan of Turkey, remember they, that land was under the Ottoman Turkish uh, rule at that time, <clears throat> um, the Sultan of Turkey formally rescinded the Edict of Hadrian, which had lasted since A.D. 135, so for these some 1,700 years uh, the forbidding of the Jews to live in or around Jerusalem. And so they could, they could legally live in Jerusalem again uh, by, the, uh, by the provision of the Turks. And some minor uh, colonization then began to occur in Palestine. Part of the success of the movement to colonize the land of Israel by Jews was due to the monetary support from very unique sources. Wealthy Jewish Europeans, such as the Rothschilds, which were both in England and France, Montefiore's, and others, even Christadelphians, who were following the uh, the, the writings and the, and the words of Brother Thomas, uh, realized the significant uh, significance of the Jews and that their their place remained in God's plan and purpose. But just some examples: uh, the Jewish Free Society. Uh, 40 million per year. The Boston Federation, uh, on down. There's 7,000 other independent Jewish foundations, which have just huge uh, treasure chests of money that they've they've used to to bolster and support uh, this effort of the recolonization of Palestine. 1999, the C.J.F. and the United Jewish Appeal. All these I know we've heard. Uh, in our own times I want to look at the uh, Brother Collier's definition of Zionism I don't know if it's the best definition but it's probably pretty appropriate this is in the book I mentioned yesterday Israel, Land, and People of Destiny by Brother Collier Zionism is not a religion but was first of all a national movement to establish a Jewish national home and then an independent Jewish state. There are religious Zionists but the majority are secular, socialist or revisionist seeing it is is as a political movement. There is opposition to Zionism by a few of the small ultra-religious groups who object to a secular state. They take the view that the formation of a Jewish state ought to await the coming of Messiah when a truly theocratic state would fulfill their hopes. With the formation of the state, Zionism has become a movement to give financial help to the state and its citizens. Even Zionism is associated with money. That's the point that he's making here. A man named Herzl Theodore Herzl was very significant in beginning this movement in earnest and by his efforts in, in 1897 was the first Zionist Congress and then began settlements uh, uh, to be made in Israel uh, to start this fulfillment of God's prophecy and the regathering of his people and uh, Interesting enough, Herzl died at a young age of 45. In 1905, there was a renewed uh, uh, persecution of the Jews in Russia. And that probably uh, sent uh, around 40,000 Jews and sort of bolstered this uh, immigration effort uh, to the land. And then there was other, other significant events. The next most significant thing that happened was in 1917 with the Balfour Declaration. And most of you are familiar with this and, and the significance of it, but I want to read read about that as well. This is on the heading of World War One. When World War One broke out, Turkey opposed the Western Allies. British troops advanced into Palestine from Egypt and eventually took Jerusalem on December the 9th, 1917, led by General Allenby. Significantly, this was the 24th day of the ninth month, the uh, see Hosea 2.18. The capitulation of the city followed the dropping of leaflets by bomber squadron number 14, and no shots were fired. Later, a Christadelphian wrote to the general asking him if he knew, if he knew that his action was a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. That is Isaiah thirty-one and five. He replied to the effect that he he knew he was doing the right thing. He knew he was doing the right thing, but he did not know about Bible prophecy. Regarding the Balfour Declaration during the war, Britain had to run had run into difficulties in the making of high explosive. Doctor Chaim Weizmann, a Russian Jew living in England was a brilliant chemist. He developed a better way of making acetone vital to the production of explosives. For this practical contribution to the war effort, he was asked by Lord Balfour what he would appreciate as a reward. In reply, he, he explained the concept of Zionism and asked for Palestine for his people. On November the 2nd, 1917, before, before Britain had been given the Palestine mandate, Lord Balfour wrote the now famous Balfour Declaration in the form of a letter to Lord Rothschild, a foremost Zionist leader. His Majesty's government view with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object. It being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine or the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any country. And we know as as a result uh, this led eventually to the establishment of the Jewish state in 1948. So because of of the hand of God, not the will of man, did the fulfillment of these prophecies for the regathering of, of Israel to the land were accomplished by people who didn't even know that they were doing God's will in the process. <clears throat> and then we have the UN resolution number 181 in 1947 regarding Israel. <clears throat> The British mandate over Palestine shall terminate no later than August 1, 1948. Secondly, a Jewish state shall be established no later than February 1948. It actually happened in May. Independent Jewish and Arab states and the the special international regime for the city of Jerusalem not later than October 1, 1948. There were 33 votes in favor, 13 against, and 10 abstentions. Israel became a state. May 14th, 1948. And that's Ben Gurion standing up there. The beginnings of the preparation for the regrafting of Israel into the olive tree and the reconnection to the Abrahamic promises was in 1948. Just as Deity had promised, he regathered the people into the pleasant land, as he called it, to prepare them. Look at Ezekiel 37. verses 11 through 14. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost, and we are cut off our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, and when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, and then ye, then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. In verse twenty-one, and saying to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold. I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and will gather them out of every side and bring them into their own land." And he has done that. Between the beginnings of the Zionist movement in the mid-nineteenth century and the establishment of the nation of Israel in 1948 was the most catastrophic event in the long history of the Jews. The sincere Bible student should ask what was the purpose of God in allowing the destruction of so many Jewish lives, so many million Jewish lives? Was it a matter of final punishment? Was it a completion of the seven times of punishment? Was it a necessary action to drive them home to the land given unto their fathers? Was it both? I don't know that I know the answer. <clears throat> I do know that That from reading the events that brought the migration patterns, the Elia uh, movements, that it took a push in many cases. If they were living comfortably, and they were living comfortably in Poland and in Germany, Germans had been very good to them for the most part. It took a real poke to get them to move pretty good whipping, as Tommy would say, or spurs or whatever, to to get them out of these countries. Uh, Even today, they're comfortable. They don't want to go. But if they're being persecuted, as they still are in Russia, they want to go. Jews probably entered the lands of Germany during the Roman times. Jewish culture grew over the centuries in Germany. Although although they maintained their identity, they were able to gain wealth and become bankers. Civil rights were granted unto them as well. The troubles began during World War I when the Kaiser tried to please both the Pope, who wanted a papal state in Palestine, and the Jews, to whom he promised Jerusalem. The stage was set for Adolf Hitler to poison the minds of the German people. So the Kaiser... Uh, he was trying to play both sides, you might say, against the middle. He he knew that he wanted to please these wealthy uh, Jews who had become such a dominant part of society uh, and kind of give them what they wanted. But he also wanted to, to make the Pope happy and give him what he wanted. And uh, so it, it, uh, it created this uh, pressure base for the people to be um, uh, resentful of the Jews and to begin... Uh, the greatest anti-semitic action of all time. And <clears throat> we read there in Deuteronomy 8, and you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as in this day. And Deuteronomy 15 and 6, for the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Ye shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. The most emphatic expression of the punishments of God upon Israel was attempted the attempted genocide of Nazi Germany under Hitler. Just as Daniel the prophet stated, God does use the basis of men to do his will. God empowered Adolf Hitler to perform the judgments upon Jews in Germany, Poland, and other areas. And we didn't read this reference in Daniel uh, in our last class, so let's read it today. I think we're all from pretty, pretty familiar with it. And Daniel even recognized this in the Babylonian time, which was the, the great kingdom of that day. Daniel 2 and 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge unto them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in darkness, and the light dwelleth in him. He sets up the worst people on this earth to do his will, he empowers them. He gives them power over his own people to do his will. And that's what he did with this man, Hitler. Hitler moved from Austria to Munich in 1913 to avoid conscription into the army. And he had some uh, interesting obsessions which affected his writing hand, as we'll notice in a moment. But he was definitely anti-Semitic. He may have had Jewish blood, but he was definitely anti-Semitic. He went through his own trials, if you will, his his political uh, battles. Uh, He was well-seasoned in the political force. He knew what the people wanted to hear, and uh, he wrote this thing called Mein Kampf. And I'm going to have several quotes here uh, from that. The mightiest counterpart... To the Aryan is represented by the Jew, and hardly any people in the world is the instinct of self-preservation developed more strongly than in the so-called chosen. What an infinitely tough, what an infinitely tough will will to, will to live and preserve the species. Sorry. The Jew of all time has lived in the states of other peoples and there formed his own state, which sailed under the disguise of, of religious community. As long as outward circumstances made a complete revelation of his nature seemed inadvisable. But as soon as he felt strong enough, he always dropped the veil and suddenly became the Jew. The Jew has always been a people with a definite racial characteristics and never a religion. His blood-sucking tyranny becomes so great that excesses against him occur. Now the Jew begins to reveal his true qualities. A true bloodsucker that attaches himself to the body of the unhappy people. His ensnarlment of the, of the princes leads to their ruin. The Jew attaches all importance to keeping his blood pure. Slowly he makes himself a spokesman of a new era. It doesn't even enter into their heads to build up a Jewish state in Palestine for the purpose of living there. That's an absolute lie. All they want is a central organization for their international world swindle, endowed with its own sovereign rights and removed from the intervention of other states, a haven for convicted scoundrels and a university for budding crooks. That was the poison that he was feeding his people in Germany against the Jewish people. The nationalism and hate perpetrated by Hitler poisoned the people of Germany and fascinated and facilitated the ge- genocide he wanted to advance the Aryan race. Thus was the judgment of God carried out by this vessel of God. Let's go back to Leviticus 26. You know, when you look at the life of, of this woman that we listened, tried to listen to last night, you know, they, they were living normal lives, just like we do. Had families, and she had a brother and a mother and dad, and, you know, they had a good family unit. And uh, there was many more just like them. And their lives were totally stopped, dead in their tracks, by this man. Leviticus 26, 14. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments... And if you shall despise my statutes or if your soul abhor my judgments so that you will not do all my commandments but that you break my covenant, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning awe, and shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies." They that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth you. And if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. The tragedy of World War II in Nazi Germany made the dream of life in Israel a fact of survival. The Jews realized they would never be accepted as a people in the nations of the world. So their energies and their money focused on the reestablishment of Israel and Palestine as their homeland. God blessed Jewish scientists with the ability to advance nations. And this is an interesting aside. Um, And this is brought out in this same book. But these these Jewish men, uh, women also for that matter, have been so blessed with talents uh, even beyond this ability for wealth. Uh, knowledge in physics and chemistry I mean look what it did for uh, for uh, chime Weissman and brought us brought the Balfour Declaration <clears throat> German scientists were awarded a third of the Nobel prizes from 1901 to 1933 <coughs> These are just a number of the, of the accolades for um, these men so blessed by God. This fellow right here was pretty fantastic in what he knew, Albert Einstein. <clears throat> in 1948, Israel was established as a nation that began to witness the support of God, generated, generated great faith in believers all over the world as a great fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Let's look at Amos chapter 9. And verses 14 and 15. And I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof, and they shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord God. They're home for good, and they're coming. More of them are coming home every day, I presume. And they will continue to inhabit this land. They will continue to be a witness of God. And they will be blessed in that land when Christ returns. And we're going to talk about that in our, in our last class. <clears throat> Before we end today, I wanted to read uh, an article out of The Economist. Sort of interesting uh, comment, I guess, on on the way people look at Israel. Uh, The Economist is a magazine that talks about the world in general and there's a lot of information about everything going on in the world, but they always have a section on the Mideast. And uh, this is entitled uh, Dear God. Dear God, address unknown. The undeliverable mail section of the Israeli Postal Authority is Uh, is conscious. Every year it delivers hundreds of letters addressed to God, though they usually contain very little information about the recipient's exact whereabouts. Letters come from every corner of the world at all times of the year, but God's pen pals are most zealous before religious holidays such as Christmas or Yom Kippur. Letters with a sender's address are sent back. The rest are delivered to the Western or Wailing Wall in Jerusalem care of the chief rabbi to be inserted into the holy walls cracks you know people put notes and prayers they roll them up and put them in the cracks of the of the walls i understand if a writer appears not to be jewish his missive is forwarded to the ministry of religious affairs our task is to deliver mail says yitzhak uh, Rabinya, a postal spokesman most letters contain praise requests or complaints My beloved God, I cannot live without you, writes a supplicant. Everything is going wrong in my life, complains another, but you must know that already. Children ask for better marks at school, the sick for good health, while lonely hearts pray for love. Some ask for help or forgiveness. I cheated in my math exam, and I have a big overdraft at the bank. A teacher in Hong Kong sent a whole batch from 20 of his students. Be patient, however. Mail to God is delivered only once or twice a year. If you're in a hurry, turn to bezag B-E-Z-E-Q, Israel's telecom firm, which has a dedicated fax line to God. Probably has an email address, but I don't, it doesn't say it here and has just opened an email account for those wishing to speed up heavenly connections. So send letters to God, care of Israel. We'll conclude with that. Thank you.